It's a good Friday. Welcome to QP Sports Exchange on Football Friday. It's your host, Vince. And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Wentz trade, what went down, who got what. We're going to talk a little Detroit Lions football and what's going on with Marvin Jones Jr. We're going to have a conversation about Conline and what's going to go on with that and who's that going to impact. And then we're going to talk about the Houston Texans because I have some information that I think is going to blow your mind. And we are also going to give the Pac-12 some help on finding a commissioner and the things they should be looking for. So that is what is on the podcast for today. Let's tell you a little bit about what's going on here. All right. So we are in the midst of in between Valentine's Day and my wife's birthday. Um, Pressure is on to get gifts and get it all squared. Your boy will be scouring Amazon uh, after this podcast. (laughs) For real. Everything else is good. We're just blessed. Just trying to hang in there. You know, pandemic, still under the pandemic rules. California a little more closed off than others. But, um, you know, still hanging in. Life is good. Got a lot of sports to talk about. So that's great. The other thing that I want to make mention right now is that we're trying to build the community to be, like, inclusive. And what comes with that is being interactive on social media. I want to tell you that posts are going to start going up regularly again. I had a social media manager for a second and I got used to that (laughs) and now I'm going back to doing it. So I'm looking forward to interacting with the listeners. You guys are just awesome and I want to just give you guys your props right now in the start of the podcast because, you know, these pods are being heard all over the world. You know, there's a lot of people listening and I am so blessed to be able to do this for you. And it just gives me just super joy to be able to do it for you. So there that is. But hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network, on Instagram, that's Question Point Pod Network. And that is also the Facebook page as well as Question Point Pod Network. And you can get with us on all three platforms and I'm looking forward to being able to interact with you and answer some questions and see if there's anything that I can put on the pod that you specifically have wanted on the pod because this is your pod what we do with it is really up to you I can write stuff out all day every day No problem whatsoever, but I want to get into what you guys want to hear. So if it's more college football, let me know. If it's more pro football and it's maybe not a team that we're not hitting on all the time, let me know. Um, We do a really good job with draft stuff. We're going to do, we're going to get more in depth on that. We're going to kind of touch on it today a little bit and how it's working with the combine or whatever. We're going to get more into college football recruiting. Uh, I'm trying to line up somebody to come on and speak about that um, soon. And this is where we're going. So keep on 
visiting the website questionpointpodnetwork.com and hit me up on social media, Twitter, QPP Network, and on Instagram and Facebook, Question Point Pod Network. And with that being said, you know what time it is. It is time for the pod. Alright, it's time for the news and notes. We're going to start in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz, the ex-Philadelphia QB, was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third round 2021 pick. And then a, either a second round or a conditional first round, depending on whether Wentz takes 70% of the snaps to the playoffs or he takes 75% of the total snaps. So basically what they're banking on is that Wentz stays healthy. You know, that is what Philadelphia is banking on. It's the quarterback that they couldn't keep healthy. They're banking on him being healthy in Indianapolis. The good thing about this is for Wentz is that, you know, he's joining a terrifically run organization. In Indianapolis. The GM Chris Ballard is one of the shrewdest front office uh, guys in the NFL. And their talent evaluators are also top notch. So he is joining a well run organization. Sorry Eagle fans. I know right now is rough on you guys. You guys got to figure that out. You got to figure out what's going on in your hierarchy. Is it absolutely correct? Are there enough people that can give um, opposing opinions? And are those opinions listened to? Right now, I don't see that in Philadelphia. You you take a look at your last three drafts and you tell me, Philadelphia, where you are as far as your organization being well run. I don't think you're that far away, but I also think there needs to be some self-reflection and where did this go wrong and how we can fix it. In your organization as of right now. Wentz will also have. One of the best O-lines in the league. And a stud running back. In Jonathan Taylor. So this guy is going to have. The complete repertoire of. You know assets as far as to his disposal. Which is great. Because you know there were times in Philadelphia. That that was a problem. You know. And now. He's going to an organization that definitely knows how to build and draft. They know what they're looking for to fill out their roster. Even with the chance of T.Y. Hilton leaving in Indianapolis, you have a situation where you know that Chris Ballard is going to find a third-round wide receiver, and it's going to make a lot of sense. Okay, You know that for a fact. You know that he's going to take a flyer on a you know, fourth round or fifth round guy who is um, maybe a basketball player who's going to be a tight end and he's going to 
catch 75 passes a year. This is what Chris Ballard does. He's in good shape when it comes to that. Last but not least, Wentz will be reuniting with his old quarterback coach and now head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich. Wentz enjoyed great statistical seasons. Now it is up to Wentz to fall in and make the necessary adjustments to become worthy of his draft status about five years ago and where he was his first three years in the league. It's really up to what he wants to be because he's getting a tremendous opportunity to join an organization. If you look at what has gone on in the NFL in this offseason, right? You know, Stafford went from Detroit, which was a poorly run organization. Let's be honest. Now they have retooled their front office, Detroit. So we'll see what that looks like. Chris Spillman is helping out. They got some people in there that really love football, enjoy football. They live football. So I'm enthused on the direction that the Detroit Lions are going. But I think for Stafford, he needed W's now. You know what I'm saying? I think Stafford is in that situation where it's like, listen, I've been in the league for 9, 10 years. I'm 32. I've given a lot to this franchise. You know, I just don't know if I'm ready for another rebuild. And you know what? With the new staff, they, you know, got his demands met. And now he's a Ram. And now he's with an organization that is close to winning. They've done things to make sure to stay on top. You know, a couple hiccups along the way. But really, Stafford is there to help those hiccups, right? By having Stafford, you have a better quarterback. So then you look at the Carson Wentz deal and you think the same thing, right? He's going from a poorly run organization the last couple years, be honest. And now he's going to the Indianapolis Colts where the offensive line is great. You know, you got pro bowlers on that offensive line. You have a great running back who's young. This is going to be Jonathan Taylor's second year in the league. So this is awesome. And you have pieces around you, and you have draft capital, even giving up the third pick this year and possibly the second or first next year, depending on where, whether Wentz stays healthy. So they're good with development as well. Keep in mind, you know, you draft in the 20s, and there's wide receivers available. You just got to pick the one that fits your system, that can run the routes that you want to run, in your system and they do a great job of that so I don't see where this is going to be an issue and they also got Michael Pittman Jr. there as well already so the foundation is set for Wentz to do what he needs to do so I'm looking forward to seeing how that trade kind of plays itself out and we'll see what it what it entails next year right now Detroit, we were just talking about you and Matthew Stafford. It is now time to talk about Marvin Jones Jr. Marvin Jones Jr. wants to be on a contender. Um, He said that he wanted to be compensated for his services, but he said, I want a championship chance, but I want a balance of compensation and a chance of winning. Remember that Jones Jr. was a teammate of Matthew Stafford in Detroit 
and now he's a free agent, and his quarterback is in the la-la. A combination of Stafford and Jones Jr. with the weapons that the Rams already have, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, the running back by committee, you know what I'm saying? But Cam Akers is now the dude. Gerald Everett. And maybe some retooling on that offensive line. Ho- hopefully in the draft. And maybe via free agency. Maybe this is a place that Marvin Jones Jr. is going to look at as a, a desirable destination. You know, if he's looking for combination of compensation and you know, a chance of winning, but what is compensation for him? You know, he hasn't been over a thousand yards since 2017. Okay. And he would be a complimentary fit, but here's the thing. The Rams have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. They have, um, Van Jefferson and, um, they have the kid Reynolds. So, It's not like they're looking for wide receiver help. Now, maybe they want a guy who can take the top off and maybe Marvin Jones would provide that and that might be something to look into. And if the Rams are looking into that, then you're going to have to retool. So one of the guys that was catching balls last year is not going to catch balls, you know, either via trade and maybe that gets you a pick. That will help you in the offensive line game. I don't know. But if you get Marvin Jones Jr. One of the wide receivers is going to go. And I can tell you right now. It's not going to be Van Jefferson. Neither is it going to be Cooper Cup. I think the guy who would be in a sense expendable. And I hate to use that word. Because you know you're talking about a man's livelihood. And his family being uprooted. But the guy that you would look at would be Robert Woods, right? A little bit older, you know, makes basically the most money of that group. So if you can move on from Robert Woods and get like a pick for him, like a fourth rounder or something like that, that might be what the Rams would do. And then if they really wanted Marvin Jones Jr., then, you know, you can reunite Stafford with him that way. So... QP's Sports Exchange will definitely keep its eye on the movings and the rumors of one Marvin Jones Jr. Okay, so news and notes part two. There will be no scouting combine in the NFL this year um, because of the pandemic and COVID um, fears and, and what have you. We are looking at another year where scouting combine, no go. Uh, there will be Zoom visits and maybe bringing people in. You know, individually, you can't bring in a group, that sort of thing. Pro days are going to be 
absolutely wild. People are going to be trying to get on those, how that's going to work as far as how many people you can bring and how you got to spread it all out. And some of those drills that are done are done in like close proximity of people. So I don't know how that's going to work. But no scouting combine this year. So it's really going to be up to your so your organizational scouts and it's going to be up to your organizational investigative team to really pine through all the information on these guys that you're going to, you know, invest in and draft. You're going to have to have really cohesive scouts you know, people who are in the know, people who have really good relationship with these college coaches who can get on campus or get to talk to the people that they need to talk to, like the 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 equipment managers, the you know, the the managers of the football team, the assistant coaches, the medical staff, all that. Because without really being able to because you can't only have like what is it like 13 visits from um potential uh draft eligible guys it's something like that i think it's like 15 13 something like that we'll have to fact check that situation out you know handle that but i don't think it's a large amount of visits you know so if it's something like that you know you you got to have plan a plan b plan c plan d sometimes even plan e when it comes to the draft, because you don't know when there's going to be a run on defensive backs. You don't know when there's going to be a run on offensive guards or or whatever the case may be. And that might be something that you're looking for. Obviously, you want to draft the best available talent. But, you know, sometimes that also coincides with need as well. So you got to be extremely flexible in the draft. And the only way to do that is to have really garnered a bunch of knowledge and a bunch of um which you would feel as as close as 100 percent we know this kid from your scouts as you possibly can to put them on your draft board so you know it's gonna be crazy work for these guys so i'm looking forward to seeing how how this is uh gonna play out because this is going to uh, affect some people you know, it's going to affect, like, the smaller school players, you know, like the Division, you know, Division two guys, some of the mid-majors, some of, like, the historically black universities, you know what I'm saying? So, it's going to affect some people because sometimes with the combine, you know, they'll take a guy from, you know, Toledo, you know, they'll take a guy from... Wyoming or whatever, you know, to put him in the combine to see what he can do. And then now, you know, you got a better acumen on what his uh, explosivity is and his skill set. Now you go look back at the tape and you go, man, that'll work in our scheme. Because of the scouting combine being canceled this year, you don't have those opportunities for those smaller school guys and those like division two, II, division three guys. So this is going to be a fascinating experiment. Now, I also think this is going to be heavy on the agents, right? Because you got to get your guy drafted. 
and preferably the higher he can go obviously helps your helps your situation because you're gonna get a piece of that pot so agents are gonna be going crazy pumping up their dudes so there's gonna be a lot of misinformation out there so we're gonna have to kind of pair through scour through to see what is the real real so you know I'm so grateful and blessed for my contacts that I'm gaining in the league and you. So, shouts out to my guys out there who's doing it real big for me and getting me information. So, we're going to really try to come up with the real information for you on QP Sports Exchange. So, stay tuned and get into those archive pods. Know what I'm saying. All right. So, some of the dudes that I was thinking of that are going to be affected by this, okay? So, they're going to have a myriad of different reasons why they're affected. But I'm going to give you just a list of people that might have really could have garnered some uh, some buzz at the combine. So, here's a list of about six guys. Trey Lance from North Dakota State. That's a guy that's affected by not having a combine. He only played one game last year. So your tape is all from 2019. Um, you're definitely going to look at the workouts. You're definitely going to be involved in that. You're definitely going to have to somehow get yourself up to North Dakota to figure out what's going on with this kid and what makes him tick. And is he good for your organization? Because unfortunately, there's not a lot of tape on him. So if there's not a lot of tape, you got to trust your scouts and your talent evaluators and trust your staff that this is the guy who's going to be able to lead this football team. That's one guy who's definitely affected by the combine. Now, another guy for a different reason, Stanford's Walker Little, the offensive tackle, he was injured last year. Okay, he had a knee injury. Also opted out, didn't play in 2020. So here's a guy, less tape. Again, you don't know how he grew physically in 2020. You don't know how much the injury took away from being him being able to build upon his 2019. Now, Stanford has a, a long history of putting out great offensive linemen. So, you know, you can go off track record a little bit, right, that that David Shaw knows what he's doing with the offensive line because they get those guys up there in Stanford. Palo Alto has no problem getting big, physical offensive linemen to go to their school. And they're all super bright, and they want to be like pre-med students and everything like that. So you could go off just tradition of that school. They put out quality offensive linemen, right? But you don't know if this is a you know debilitating injury. You don't know if this is going to be something that's chronic when you have them in your camp. So these are all things that he could have put to rest at the scouting combine by doing the drills and having the interviews that you would normally have at that combine. Now the next guy, and excuse me, University of Florida fan. I know you don't want to see your guy on this list, but he's going to be on this list, and I'm going to tell you why. So University of Florida quarterback Kyle Trask, the reason why he's on this list is this. Where's the game going? Even in the loss, you got to see Patrick Mahomes throw passes literally horizontal 
in the air, 30 yards down the field, and really his wide receiver should have caught it, correct? So you're starting to see that mobility plays out in the NFL. Brady is the only one. <laughs> he's he's he. I swear to God, he's supernatural. He's the only one that has no mobility and still doesn't get hit ever, right? I think he has some voodoo curse on all NFL defenses. I don't know, but we're going to have to really look into that soon. But Kyle Trask, right, he has limitations on his mobility, i.e. he's slow. And then there's also talk of his arm strength. So these are things that he could have shown at the combine. He could have definitely laid to rest. Or he could have shown so much anticipation on his passes that, you know, people who throw, who use, like, you know, what they call the West Coast-style offense, it's all on timing and precision, they could have said, yo, I could work with that. Because we can stretch the field vertically or we can stretch the field horizontally. Either way, it depends on who Kyle goes to, but maybe he could have opened some more eyes with the combine. Another guy on this list is Memphis running back Kenneth Gainwell. Well, he opted out of 2020, so here's a guy who, you know, less game tape. But the other thing is this, you know, did he grow in 2020? You know, did his growth hurt or help his his burst? Because he was dynamic in 2019. If you didn't catch this cat in 2019, Kenneth Gainwell, look up some YouTube tape on Kenneth Gainwell, and you'll see... A dude just has an extra gear. But, you know, obviously there's an off-season program. There's a, um, you know, strengthening conditioning program. Now, did the extra weight, because he was at 5'11", and I think at 200 pounds as a junior. I think that's what he still lifted, you know, listed as. So, you know, you don't know. You don't know if he's put on 15. Is he more explosive? Is he less explosive? This could be the the tipping point of being, um, you know, a day two or a day one or maybe a day three, you know, because and your money's super different depending on what day you're drafted, and your your length of contract is also dependent on that as well. So I'm all for the running back getting a cheddar as early as possible. Another guy who's affected by this is uh, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston, the wide receiver. He showed up at the Senior Bowl. He was supposed to be 6'3". He ended up being like 6 feet and some change. Now, you know, you were thinking big body wide receiver, you know, a guy who has this catch radius and all this other stuff. That changes things. Now his 40 time is really important because if it's a if it's a four four five, maybe he's a second he's a late second round, third round pick. But if he runs a sub four, if he runs like a four three eight, that dude is gonna be knocking on the door the first round. He's gonna be sitting there like looking at I'm either late day one or early day two. So these things really make a difference. So this is why I'm bringing it to you. And then the last guy on our list is uh, Virginia Tech's cornerback, Caleb Farley. Caleb 
is a tremendous athlete. Lots of tape. The thing about it is, is that he's 6'2", 205, and what the combine would have been able to help is to see how fast he is, how fluid of hip he is, and that would have made him a day one pick. If he would have answered those questions at the combine, this dude would have been a day one pick. Now, he's squarely day two, and he's probably going to go within the first 12 picks of the second round, no question, because who doesn't want a big body cornerback who can guard these mammoth wide receivers and some of these gigantic tight ends in the league? We saw that in um, Antoine Winfield Jr., him being 6'1", and changing the minds of some of some of the wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs. So Caleb Farley is a guy who could have used the combine because if he shows explosivity and his 40 is really good and he shows fluid hips and that he can he's twitchy athlete guy, that dude would have probably ended up getting like 25th, 26th overall in the first round. So there is something to it. There's something to not being able to have the combine. So we're going to look deeper into these situations and see how it all goes because, man, I love talking about the draft. I love getting into it. So send me your guy that you want to get drafted or whatever. Send me, you know, I don't care what school he's from. We'll do the research. We will put it on the podcast Two Key Sports Exchange, Football Friday, all love every day. You know how we do it every single day for you. We want to make sure that you know that we know that we are listening to you. And you know what I got to say about that. That's right, air horns. You know. We celebrating people here. So I don't care if it's Nebraska. I don't care if it's Purdue. I don't care if it's the East Carolina Pirates. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's San Jose State. I don't care if it's San Diego State, UNLV, New Mexico. You know what I'm saying? Texas, Abilene, whatever. Send me your guys. And let's see what they're all about. And I'll give you a realistic view of what everybody's thinking and where they think he's going to go. You know what I'm saying? So you hit me up on QPP Network on Twitter. You hit me up on Question Point Pod Network on Facebook and Instagram. So we can get cracker-lacking with some of these draft-eligible dudes. And you know this, man... We got two more stories for you, and then we're going to get up out of here on a football Friday and enjoy the weekend, and we want you to enjoy your weekend, but listen to QP Sports Exchange. 
And the reason why I'm hyped right now is because I want to make sure that you feel the energy that I'm about to bring to you. Because I'm about to bring you some real heat. I got some real info. And I'm about to drop it right now. The Houston Texans are telling everyone who will listen that the organization isn't trading Deshaun Watson. Now, I'm going to tell you something. As the story and the situation goes, it's going so much deeper than that. Okay? This is league-altering type stuff that I'm about to bring to you right now. I have a source that's told me that owners are telling their player personnel group to back off the Texans in acquiring the all-pro quarterback, Deshaun Watson. There are owners stepping in and saying, yo, no, not until they give us the go-ahead. Don't talk to the Texans about Deshaun Watson. Owners are afraid that if this deal goes down, if Deshaun Watson literally requests a trade and get the trade. Now, we're not talking about compensation. We're not talking about whether it's three first-round draft picks, four, whatever it is. We're not even talking about that. But owners are so scared of how this would change the business and how business is done in the NFL and how it would start to resemble a lot of what the NBA looks like with the player empowerment and like, yo, I'm tired of being here and I want to go somewhere else type situation. That there are owners that do not want that whatsoever and they are absolutely cringing at the thought that Deshaun Watson is about to get traded. So there are owners that need a quarterback around the league who are telling their player personnel people, yo, man, uh, back off to Texas right now. We got to see how this plays out. That's crazy to me. They are so fearful that this guy is going, in a sense, basically say, I'm disgruntled, ready to go. Could you imagine Patrick Mahomes going to the Chiefs organization saying, hey, um, I kind of need a bigger stage. And uh, I think I want to get traded. you imagine what that would look like? Like, I want out. I want out now. Now, KC, Chiefs Kingdom, Chiefs Nation, don't trip. This is a hypothetical situation. It's not based on anything. It's not based on reality. This is just, I'm throwing something out there. We're using your boy who's one of the faces of the league, you know what I'm saying? We just, it's a hypothetical. Don't, don't stop. Hey, breathe. It's okay. Don't hyperventilate. It's going to be all right. Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere. We're not reporting that. I'm just using it as an example. I can see Kansas City fan right now. Oh, my God. What? What? No. Relax. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. It's a hypothetical. But what I'm saying with that is, is that if that situation, you're looking at somebody right now, Deshaun Watson is 25 years old, okay? He is one of the better quarterbacks in this league. I know the results haven't looked like it of late, but that man is balling. 37 touchdowns, over 4,000 yards, and no offensive line to speak of. 
no real number one wide receiver to speak of because Bill O'Brien was running that team. Yeah, that that dude is disgruntled and does not want to be there. And it's getting super serious now because I'm about to hit you with some another and some new news. Some new news. The reason why the owners are squirming on their yachts right now is that Deshaun Watson is looking super resolute and getting what he wants. Now, Ryan Rossillo on his on his podcast said, owners are, have always had the upper hand because of the ability to find a player for not reporting the camp. So with, with this looming, the financial ramifications for most players, they, they go ahead and back down, okay? Because they don't want to lose those game checks. The last time this happened, the last time that somebody said, hey, dude, I'm not reporting until my, my situation is squared, for real, the last time this happened, you have to go all the way back to 1993. And it was the Dallas Cowboys, and it was Emmitt Smith, and Emmitt Smith wanted to get paid. And Jerry Jones was BSing. Now, this is in a Super Bowl run. This is Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, this is that, okay? And Emmitt Smith is like, yo, I played here three years now. Like, I want my contract. I outplayed that contract. I want a new contract, and you can't win without me, and I'm not reporting. Now, Emmitt ended up sitting out two games, two regular season games that year before Jerry Jones stopped tripping and gave that man his bag. Gave him his money. Now, they were 0-2, and Jerry Jones was like, yo, uh-uh, we're messing with a championship situation right here. So, um, yeah, we're going to give Emmett. We're going to acquiesce to Emmett and give him his money. But what I'm saying is that you had to go all the way back to 1993. Now, here's what I'm hearing. Deshaun Watson is not going to blink, and he's willing to lose game checks, Okay. He's willing to lose game checks to leave Houston. Watson, so disenchanted and upset with roster configuration and not having a voice in an organization that he feels that he put himself on the line and his body on the line for. Watson does not trust the McNair's family, which is the owners, in their vision of turning the fortunes of the franchise around with Watson as their quarterback. Watson says, I do not plan to waste two or three years for this franchise to finally get their act together. Oh, by the way, when's the last time you saw the fans not take the owner's side when it comes to player situations like this? Usually it's like shut up and play. You get, you're a millionaire. Throw the football. Do what you need to do. But we're going to need you not to complain, player. But it's not like that. There's a lot of fan sympathy for Deshaun Watson. Okay? Like around the league, in other cities, in Houston. Yo, it's not like they're saying, oh, well, you know, you know, Deshaun needs to just be quiet and play. No. A lot of people are like, man, I don't want to lose Deshaun. But he's right. You know, he's right. How come he doesn't have some say in you know, his quarterback coach and who he's going to be able to communicate best with. How come he doesn't have at least just 
a thought when it comes to who is going to be the leader of that franchise in the head coach. How come he can't just say, hey, you know, I heard real good things about so-and-so from uh, Green Bay. Yo, he can't say that? He's throwing 4,000 yards a year for you, 37 touchdowns, running for his life, and he can't say, hey, you know, I heard real good things about um, Eric Bieniemy, and, you know, I don't know, maybe we should interview him. I mean, for real? He can't even say that? It's so rare for him to have fan sympathy like this. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to say right now that I still believe, and I think the reason why Deshaun has this is because of the fact that in the last couple years, he's been able to make lemonade out of rotten lemons. Not even lemons, just rotten lemons. You know, and unfortunately, people are going to be sympathetic to that situation because they see the dysfunction in the organization. So you got to back the player. When it's that stark, when fans are really able to put their the blue and red colored glasses aside and go like, listen, Deshaun is right. They really have mismanaged this situation. We lost some dudes off this team because they didn't know how to manage the situation. You know what I'm saying? When it's like that and everybody sees it, you're going to have to trade him. And I understand that the owners are scared. And I understand that, you know, NFL as a whole will be scared about something like that. But you know what? You know, you don't have a leg to stand on. And it's one of those situations that we'll continue to monitor here at QP Sports Exchange because... When it goes down, it's it's going to change the game. Because that will be the first guy who's a franchise guy to say, hey, you know what? I think I do need a different venue and get it. Like I said, we had to go back to 1993 till the player had enough juice to be able to do what Deshaun is doing. Could you imagine... Aaron Rodgers rolling out of bed the day that this trade goes down and sees Deshaun Watson now like in, I don't know, throw a team out there, Denver. You know, if he decided for some reason that he wanted to go to New England, could you imagine what Aaron Rodgers would be doing that morning when he gets that news? He's going to be like, oh, man, is that all it took? I'll, all I have to take is all my stuff down on Instagram that has to do with the Green Bay Packers and say, hey, this beautiful mystery that we got going on, <laughs> it's not a mystery anymore. I want out. Yo, it's going to change the game. If you're a star player and you don't like your situation, we might be entering a situation where the NFL looks a lot like the NBA. And that's a thing that the owners are so scared of. Now we're going to talk about the Pac-12 Conference. The reason why we're going to talk about the Pac-12 Conference is because there is still no commissioner for the Pac-12 at this present time. There are six really good candidates. One is the athletic director of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Roll Tide. One is the athletic director of the, the Ohio State University, Go Buckeyes. One is a um, is a communication expert, and I'm really intrigued by that cat. 
And then there's a couple other guys that are like, one is the commissioner of the Big 12, and one was like the assistant commissioner of another conference or whatever. But the three at the top are the ones that I'm more interested in. But we're not going to even talk about that. What we're going to talk about right now is that there are reports that the schools haven't even settled on what a vision for the conference would look like so they can conduct the search. Huh? What? Are you kidding me? The Pac-12 teams, the Pac-12 schools, the universities have not figured out what the vision is so they can conduct the search for the commissioner? Wait, do you know what's going on in your hemisphere? QP Sports Exchange is going to help out the Pac-12 conference in their vision for what they want and what they want the commissioner to be able to achieve. So we come up with a couple things that will help. So note Pac-12 presidents and power brokers in the Pac-12. Listen to this pod. We will help you with your vision so you can conduct your search. Things to be looking forward to do. The Pac-12 needs a better TV deal. So you can compete with the other Power 5 conferences, have national televised games that are, that it can be seen by the whole country. Start there. That's where you start. Is get a TV deal, get hooked up with either Fox or ESPN, get in bed, and make this happen so you have some games that start at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time and people are watching those games. That's what you do. And if you're going to have a Quack 12 network, have it be attached to something like Fox or ESPN. Hell, get another TV station. I don't care who it is. CBS, NBC. I don't care. But get that squared away. Get your TV situation squared away. The other thing. Create a relationship with lower conference and also uh, one of the Power 5 conferences. So like the Big West or Big 12, this will help in recruiting purposes and relationships and building with those conferences also for TV purposes. So what I'm talking about is this, right? You get you a situation where you say, okay, West Coast Conference, you know, San Jose or Big, Big West or whatever. So we're going to play you every year. So our schools are going to play your school. So, you know, Stanford's going to play Fresno State. San Jose is going to play Cal. You know, uh, UCLA and USC will play like UNLV if Nevada's in that comp, so be it. Arizona will play somebody. Oregon will play somebody, right? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to lock down the western part of the country so our guys don't go to Texas, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Miami of Florida, North Carolina, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, places like that. Why are, if you are a San Diego kid or a Los Angeles kid, why the hell are you going to Lincoln, Nebraska? Why is that happening? Why is the fastest kid in California going to College Station, Texas? Why is it that the quarterbacks 
are leaving the confines of the West Coast, the La La, San Francisco, whatever, and going to places like Wisconsin, Minnesota, Clemson. I mean, Clemson's dope. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, what you're getting, what are you getting over in Clemson that you're not getting here on the West Coast as far as like aesthetics, you know, pleasing to the eye, right? So we got to shut down the West Coast and say, yo, our West Coast schools are where you need to be at. So we need to get a stronghold on our recruiting of the West Coast. We need to put some damn walls up and make sure that these kids are staying home. All right. Now, here is another thing for the Pac-12. And these are all things that I thought of and I said, okay, this is what we kind of need to be looking forward to do you figure out who and your strategy to acquire other colleges for expansion the conference like it or not pac-10 purists or pac-8 purists the pac-12 needs texas in the conference whether it is it's the university of texas at austin or it's a combination of houston SMU, TCU, the Pac-12 needs to show Texas and the Texas kids that there are other programs outside Texas. And that goes for like Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? We need the Texas kids too. We need their them as part of the footprint. And the only way to do that is to expand the conference, get it to 16 teams, and you better have one or a combination of a couple teams that are in Texas. So like I said, I don't know if it's going to be Oklahoma and Texas coming to the Pac-12, bringing like Oklahoma State and like TCU with it. I don't know. I don't know if it's a combination of maybe SMU, TCU, and Houston, and maybe we take like a Kansas State with us or Kansas. I don't know what you do, but I know one thing. Expansion is something that is real and it's something that needs to be looked into because of the thing, like I'm saying, we need to recruit. We need areas that are looking at the Pac-12 to recruit. We need more of Texas as part of our recruiting area and footprint so we can become these schools in the Pac-12 can have better opportunities to get into the college football playoffs, right? That's all we're looking for, all right? Now, the guy that you're looking for as well, you know, this is part of the vision, is to be more innovative with technology. With Silicon Valley at your doorstep, Pac-12, because they're in San Francisco, your offices are in San Francisco. The Pac-12 need to have a footprint and get a, get a mind that can help them. You know, the Pac-12 brand needs to be better. So what you need to do is you need, when you get this commissioner, you know, somebody underneath him needs to understand how important the social platforms are in building the brand of the Pac-12. Like the ACC does a phenomenal job of this. You know the SEC has their deal. 
The Big Ten is really good about it. I don't think the Big 12, they need to be better about it as well. But, you know, in college basketball, you know, the resurgence, the resurgence of the Big East and things of that nature. Like, these places are using social media at such a high level. You know what I'm saying? And some schools independently are doing that, you know, a better job at that. But as a conference, you need to be on top of this. You got to be, this is it. This is how you get players. This is how you get money. This is how you get boosters. This is how you get alum to, you know, oh, they care about the program. I care about the program. I've always wanted my football team to be super hyped. So let me give. That's what it's all about. Is that having pride in that school, pride in your conference, and let's get it done. But those are the things, the Pac-12, those are the things chancellors and presidents of these fine institutions of the Pac-12, this is what you need to be doing. Okay? There's your vision for what you want your new commissioner to do. And let's get this done with. Let's get us a commissioner. And let's get us a new football deal, TV deal. You know what I'm saying? Let's get our social media digital imprint fixed. And let's start working on expansion. And getting into Texas. And taking over some situations. Because I'm tired of being just like the soft squads in the West. Okay? I'm tired of that. I want people to fear us. So... Pac-12 presidents, Pac-12 chancellors, you are welcome for all that information that I just dropped on you. All right. So, with that being said, Football Friday is coming to a close. I'd like to thank all the listeners out there again. Shouts out to the listeners. Let's get more interactive on Twitter, QPP Network, on Facebook and Instagram. It's Question Point Pod Network. You know how we do it, right? Now. We are going to do a we're going to do a hoop questions Monday. Everybody know we do two pods up in this piece, okay? So keep a lookout for Monday and hoop questions. It's going to be live. It's going to be dope, just like this podcast is all the time. What I'm going to hit you with is this: be kind to yourself. Take care of you. Make sure you're good. Then you want to take your loved ones and let them know how much. You appreciate them, how much you are loving, how much they love you. You want to show them that you care. And you want to just pick them up. You know what I'm saying? Give everybody a lift up around you. Mother, wife, daughter, niece, son, brother, cousin, whatever. Break them off a phone call and let them know they appreciate it. And you love them. And then if you have it within your means or your time, because your time is as valuable as currency. Your time is so valuable you don't even know it. But if you have a time, help out a fellow neighbor. Help out your community. If you have the means to give financially, give to places that are helping those who are less fortunate than us. And that is pretty much it. You know what we about to do? We about to bounce. We are out.